You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday, everybody. It's good to have everyone tuning in from 2 to 4 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. A new week, another loss for Auburn men's basketball. A lot to talk about on today's show. We're going to break it all down. Auburn, Tennessee, the trip to Knoxville for Jacob Goins. What all he did this past weekend, what all atrocities he saw in Thompson Bowling Arena. We'll have Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports, as well as Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle President, Auburn Sports Network, and Weagle 91.1 FM Sports Director. He'll be coming up in hour number two. A lot coming up on the show today. And if you want to call in, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Jacob, how you doing, man? You have returned safely from knoxville tennessee i made it back safely it was a good trip man i'll be honest and i'm doing well today uh it was a good trip fun trip went up there with my dad and some of our buddies we take a little guys trip every year to an auburn basketball road game within the sec we are currently 0 for 4 we've gone on four trips and we have seen auburn lose every single time well i think you need to stop going yeah we either said we're going to stop going or we need to go somewhere like georgia so it's confirmed jacob hillman front of the program has transferred <laughs> yes his curse to you like a virus it's the, the hillman curse yeah it, no it's it, the hillman virus the hillman that's virus. what it is oh well you know he was at the tennessee game who else has been affected by this <laughs> road trip atrocity i believe he's only seen one road team or he's only seen auburn win once on his road trips and he was at the tennessee game in 2020 he right was also the at the florida game yeah this year so, at this year and so yeah dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but yeah we're over four on our trips but we even went to starkville and we watched auburn lose at mississippi state which should be a win but whatever that was a couple years ago but it was a good trip to knoxville it was my first time up there got to see the campus a little bit got to drive by neyland stadium and then go into thompson bowling arena and i'll be honest man the arena is not everything it seemed to be from the outside. When you I, look, you are it, not the first person that has said that this weekend. From the outside, it's almost like Rupp Arena, where it's just a giant block and it's just a big building. There's no, there's nothing sexy about it. But once you get inside, it's extremely nice in there. I will admit, uh, Thompson Bowling Arena was very nice, and it was. I had a good experience with fans. I've seen a lot of things on Twitter where a lot of Auburn fans did not have such a good experience with Tennessee fans, but luckily we were around some good people and, and, and didn't get bothered by anything. But, uh, man, you cannot underestimate and not talk about the amount of people that were in that building and the amount of noise that they produced inside that arena. It holds 22,000 people, and there was every bit of it. And Noisier than Auburn Arena? Yes, only because it's over double the size you know what i'm saying so it was one of the loudest arenas that i've ever been in was thompson bowling arena on saturday number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 if you made the trip to knoxville this past weekend we want to hear about your experience this past weekend what was it like to go behind enemy lines auburn loses 
67-62 to the 17th-ranked Volunteers, now up to 13 in this week's edition of the AP Top 25. Auburn down two spots now to number five. I don't want to talk about the AP poll right now. We've got a segment for that later on in the show. We'll talk about the AP poll later on. This segment about takeaways from Auburn's trip to Knoxville, Tennessee. Auburn, once again, falls by five on the road. It feels like a lot more than that considering they were down by 9, 10, 11 points really across that last minute. Jabari Smith has a four-point play that obviously changed things a little bit. Auburn had it down to as much as a two-point ball game with under 40 seconds to go, and you thought, oh, they might still pull this thing out where they really, I think, down across the last 10 minutes of the second half, had no business pulling it out. Now, you talk about the first 30 minutes of the basketball game. I think Auburn had the better game over Tennessee over across the first 30 minutes of the game. It was the last 10 minutes where it was particularly atrocious for Auburn basketball. And ultimately, that causes their demise in Knoxville a loss. Let's talk about takeaways. Jacob, what's your first one? Well, first of all, Auburn was up by six at the half. And I'll tell you what, inside the arena, first of all, quite a bit of Auburn fans made the trip. But once you got inside the arena, you couldn't find one or you couldn't hear one, man. They were drowned out and it was... It was like an ant trying to make some noise in there. It was crazy. But in the first half, Auburn's up by six. We're feeling pretty good because Auburn didn't play a great first half, but they played pretty good. And to be up by six on the road at Tennessee, feeling pretty good, extended the lead by five to make it an 11-point lead at one point in the second half. You know, at that point, you're like, okay, I really think Auburn's about to make that turn we've been talking about and put this team away with a big road win and just run into March on fire. And then fire. what happened? And then it just collapsed. It I don't want to like. say I told you so. Yeah, but you told but it. But I, I called mean, it last Friday. I said, yeah. look, Auburn's going to fall behind on a 10-0 run or an 11-3 run or something along those lines at some point, and it will be insurmountable because of the noise and the defense, the defensive product that Tennessee is going to put on the floor. If you allow them to go on a run like that with the way that they shoot the three – that was going to be something that could fuel that run, and then their defense is going to protect it, and ultimately that's what happened. And Barely, it, yeah. but it happened. And it was a 17-3 to run that eliminated Auburn's lead, yep. and they could never fight back. And Tennessee hit a point in the second half where they couldn't miss. It doesn't matter who was shooting, where they were shooting from. Tennessee could not miss a shot in the Yet last six minutes of the game. they still shot 33% as a team. Which is not good. I mean, that's not winning numbers but they did what they had to do late in the second half after that run and every shot they made the place just got louder. I mean my ears, my ears hurt after the game. I won't even lie, man. It it was loud. One of the loudest arenas I've ever been in for a sporting event. So I can understand how Tennessee has not lost a single game at home this season. It's hard to hear yourself think in there and so you got to give Auburn a little slack and a little credit for going in there and making it a basketball game, but Again, another another lead blown that we've seen from Auburn basketball this season. Auburn's defense traveled. I'll talk about that for a moment. Auburn's defense traveled. They defended the rim very well. Eight blocks again, but even looking and digging inside the numbers, Auburn held Tennessee to 14 of 45 from inside the arc. Tennessee shot 38% from beyond the arc, from three-point land, yet they still found a way to only shoot 33% as a team. When your three-point percentage is higher than your field goal percentage as a team, that means you did not shoot inside the arc very well. That means you did not score in the paint very well. And, of course, I think Auburn did get outscored in the paint in this game, which is still shocking. That tells you how inept Auburn's offense was. Auburn forced 18 turnovers, 
which is not common for this Tennessee basketball team. They do not turn the basketball over. I really thought the turnover margin was going to be flipped. I thought it was going to be Auburn with 18 and Tennessee with 12. That's been more of the commonality, the common denominator for Tennessee in home games this year. So Auburn did well on defense. Auburn's defense is why they hung in this game for so long. But now let's get to the inexcusable stuff, the bad things that Auburn did in this game. You cannot give up. 21 offensive rebounds and 54 total rebounds to 31 for Auburn. You can't give that up and expect to win. Effort at times seemed to be low for Auburn on all fronts, whether it be offense, rebounding, defense. I think defense was locked in for the most part, but over that last 12, 13 minutes of the game, Tennessee seemed to have more in the tank than Auburn did. And I'm not sure how it looked on TV, but I'm telling you what, inside the arena, every time that Tennessee would shoot the ball and get a long offensive rebound, the momentum just kept building and adding on, and the crowd would get more into it. And Tennessee, they just had so many second-chance opportunities. Even if they didn't make the second chance, they had they had two or three shots per possession. You know what it looked like on TV? You know what it looked like on TV? What's that? It looked like Auburn was in slow motion. Yeah, When Auburn was. touched the basketball, they looked to be moving at half the pace Tennessee did when they touched the basketball. And a lot of times, I'll give Auburn some credit again, a lot of them were three-point shots with long rebounds where it bounces off the rim and it, you know, the ball goes flying to the three-point line and the Tennessee guy just happened to be closer. But Auburn was not running down these long rebounds because a long rebound's 50-50, man. You got to go after them, especially on the road. And Auburn getting out-rebounded by 23, it's just you're going to lose basketball games because that's one of the things that Auburn does well with their height and their front court is to rebound the basketball. And they didn't do that on Saturday. Now, believe it or not, I do think Auburn was slightly more clinical than Tennessee on the offensive end. Believe it or not, Auburn did make three more field goals than Tennessee did. They had a higher team field goal percentage. They had three more assists. Auburn had 12 to Tennessee's nine. So in the run of play, Auburn was slightly, granted it wasn't a clinical offensive performance. Auburn didn't play well offensively, but it was slightly better than Tennessee in the run of play. Here's the difference. Once again, the offensive rebounds to buy Tennessee extra possessions. They got more shots up to be able to get more opportunities to score, as well as when they got those offensive rebounds, they turned into trips to the charity stripe where Tennessee had 12 more free throw attempts and 10 more total makes than Auburn. Outshooting Auburn at the charity stripe, 21 free throws made to 11 for Auburn. That plus 10 and the free throw margin and you and I said this on Friday, this is to be expected. You're going into a hostile environment. We knew that Auburn was probably going to lose the free throw battle because Auburn fouls a lot, as well as you're going into a hostile environment. You're not going to get those calls. Tennessee shot 27 free throws. Auburn shot 15. And I do think Tennessee was more aggressive with their guards getting to the bucket and getting downhill than Auburn was. And Tennessee made it count. That plus 10 in the free throw margin – that is where the five-point loss comes from. I think that and offensive rebounds is where Auburn lost this game. Now, you can look at the box score and look everywhere else and be like, Auburn shot the ball better than they did, had a higher field goal percentage as a team, was better inside the arc than Tennessee, defended the rim better, probably even played better defense than Tennessee. But they didn't rebound, and they fouled them too much. 
Yeah, we're talking about Auburn basketball's loss at Tennessee on Saturday. What are your thoughts? What were your reactions to Auburn basketball going on the road and having a five-point loss against Tennessee? Give us a call here on the line, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. And here's what I'll say is Auburn showed up to play for the most part, but I think down they the stretch up to play. in the second half, it just got slower and I don't I'm not sure what the word is, but it just didn't look like all the effort was being given there in the second half. And I don't know what to put that on. I don't know what that is, what the reason for that is. I think they hit a wall. I think they legitimately got fatigued. Teams like Tennessee that played that defensive, physical brand of basketball wear you down. And Auburn, and I said this on Friday, and this is why I picked Tennessee, and it proved to be right. Tennessee's backcourt was going to be able to isolate Auburn's backcourt from their front court. There was a disconnect. I was concerned about Auburn's guards being able to get downhill and get quality shots for Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. And I said I would not be shocked if Walker Kessler had less than 10 field goal attempts. He had seven. Jabari Smith was nine for 21. He brought up his shooting over the last couple minutes of the game. Jabari Smith did not get great looks at the basket. Now, that's not his fault, and he still buried him. Went 9 for 21. He was 3 for 9 from 3. Not exactly the efficiency that I'm looking for from 3. 33% is not terrible. It's not great either. He had 27 points. You look at the box score, he had Auburn's best game. He had a great game. He showed up to play. But still, when you watch the game, this is where film ends up being fact, right? When you're breaking it down on film and you're looking at the shots that Jabari Smith is having to take, they're all contested. They're every single one of them. They are contested. And it's not that he can't make them. He can, but that's not what you're looking for. I agree. I 100% agree. And we've talked about that already in, in the last couple of weeks. It's not that Jabari Smith can't make those contested fadeaway 18-foot jumpers, which is the worst shot in basketball. It's not that he can't make it, but that's not high-quality, effective offense. If it's anybody else on the team shooting that shot, what do we say? That's a horrible possession. That's a horrible shot. And so it shouldn't be any different when it's Jabari Smith. We need to be working, or Auburn needs to work to get him better looks, better shots. I think closer to the rim, too. And I know he's a little, you know, he's not as big as some people like him to be when it comes to being inside. But I think getting him closer looks, going to the rim, because he is such a strong finisher. That's where the turnaround jumper becomes more effective. I want to talk about the guard play. Once again, Auburn's fatal flaw with this basketball team, potentially down the stretch. And I still think the story can be different for Auburn. I don't want to sit here and say the sky is falling. I defended Auburn a lot last week. I'm going to defend Auburn a lot this week because I still think there are a lot of folks out there that are coming at Auburn and are saying that the sky is falling or saying that Auburn stinks or that Auburn's not good enough to win a national championship. And you made a statement on Friday. I'm going to call you out. You are you are go for it. one of my good friends, but I am not going to put you above reproach here, my friend. That is okay. On Friday, you said if Auburn goes into Knoxville and loses, you will stand by the statement that Auburn will not win the national championship. You said that. I did. Now I'm going to give you a chance to back off of it. I do not want to see Auburn in your national championship bracket when March rolls around, unless you come off of that right here. Here is your chance. I met, Okay, I fill out multiple brackets. So one of my brackets, no. well, yes, we'll have Auburn. <laughs> but as of right now, and look, my opinion may change, but I still stand by it. As of right now, yeah, I stand by it. Now, we talked about this before the show. Depending on how Auburn plays 
in the next two games and in the SEC tournament, that could 100% change. And if it changes, I'll let you know. And I'll be the first one to come on here and say, I've seen some drastic improvement from the Tennessee game to through the end of the SEC tournament. And if it changes, I'll let you know. But I'm still going to stick by it as of right now. I think Auburn's, while they don't have a lot of flaws, the flaws that they do have, I think, are going to kill this team when it comes to a big-time game in March. And I know the whole discussion of being on a neutral floor, not playing on the road, all It's vastly stuff. different. Auburn will not play in another environment this year that has 20,000 hostile fans in it. I 100% agree, and that's a huge factor. Like Nor I said, will they be shooting a Nike basketball Which that also much. has a fact in a play in it as well. But I still think some of the flaws that Auburn has are going to be, if they don't fix them, and I'm not saying they can't because we've seen what Bruce Pearl can do when March rolls around. And let me say this too. I hope that Auburn fixes them. I hope Auburn changes. I want Auburn to win the win the national championship. They're also going to get about a week-long break. Which they desperately need. In between both the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. So they're going to get about a half a week off between Saturday and when the SEC tournament will begin for them on Friday. Thursday or Friday? The, you'll have the first it's Friday, two games that's Wednesday, right. four games Thursday. They won't play till Friday. So they'll get six days off from Saturday to Friday. Yes. And then when the SEC tournament ends for them, say it does end for them on Sunday, say they play into the championship game, they're going to have from Sunday to next Thursday or Friday. They're mm-hmm. going to be playing with break and with fresher legs than they've gotten right now. So I think everything changes when March rolls around. I'm not going to sit here and say that everything is perfect for Auburn. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Some of these things do look bad, but I also think people are vastly overreacting to the current situation. And I think Auburn, at the end of the day, what happened on Saturday, and this is what I said on Friday, and so now I'll stick to what I said. What I said on Friday was, whatever happens in Knoxville has zero indication whatsoever of what this team will do in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament, and I stand by that. And that's okay. And we have different looks on that. But as I keep saying, if Auburn can change it and look really good in the SEC tournament, I may come back on my statement. But as of right now, I'm going to stick with it because the flaws that Auburn has right now have been the same flaws for the last four weeks and nothing has changed. And I think that's going to really hurt this team in March. And I'll make one more point before we head to the phone lines. What what held Auburn back on Saturday? It was their guard play. And what did we say on Friday? I said of the three main guards – Two of them have to have a good game between, between Wendell, KD, and Zepp. Only one of them played decent, and that was KD Johnson. He played really well. He did play very well. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-327-502. Ed on the line with this. Ed, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, guys. How y'all doing? Doing real well. What's up? Uh, uh, I was just going to call. Uh, did Leo Berman, did, did he quit the team? No, I think he was dealing with an injury for a while. At least we know he was dealing with a foot injury for a while, and it's taken him some time to come back. And I'm with you, Ed. We haven't seen him in the lineup because I do think he is healthy right now. Uh, as far as Wendell, you know, I love the guy, you know, whatever. Uh, he, he, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't need to have the green light right now that Bruce Pearl, and if you look at it really – Really, what does it take for somebody to get those guys to slow down and run their offense? We took way too many early shots. You know, I've listened to Sonny. Sonny was just, you know, livid. We've got to slow down and run your offense. Our two best guys, uh, 
our best percentage shooter is probably, I would guess, uh, Kessler. I would imagine so, and that's pretty common for bigs just because they get higher percentage shots. But on Saturday, I think the highest percentage went to KD. He was 7 for 13. Oh, okay, but Kessler got 10 shots. He got 7. He was 3 for 7. Three for seven shots. That's right. That's not enough. That, that's not enough. That's not running your offense. And that comes down, I'm, you know, you guys know I love Bruce Pearl. And, but he has got to, uh, on a couple of the losses, you know, he should have called timeout and he's got to do a little bit more in-game coaching. It's, it's the first of the year, letting the guys go and just, you know, just they would figure it out. And, you know, you sit back and you're amazed. But right now, he has got to do some in-game coaching. He's got to tell, you know, Wendell or something, they, that cold, hey, you've got – but you've got to run your offense, guys. You have to. And that's what's killing Auburn right now. If they're not – they're going down and taking bad shots, you know, and and their best, their best two guys, we all know it, or, or, or you know, their front court, the bigs, and it, it, that, it doesn't make sense to let your guards just go, you know, off on what, what they're doing. But War Eagle, uh, you, you know, I think uh, I've I got a lot of faith in Bruce, but he, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of concerned, but I, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle to you too, Ed. Thanks for the call. That was Ed on the line with us, 334 1390. I'm going to leave everybody with this before we go to commercial break. We'll come back and talk about it. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. I think Ed's on to something with the green light issue for the guards. Wendell Green was 2 for 15, 1 for 7 from 3. Zeb Jasper was 0 for 2. Now, he doesn't necessarily operate with the green light, but I would like to see more offense out of Zeb Jasper. He was 0 for 2, 0 for 1 for 3, only had one assist. I'll go back to Wendell Green's stat line real quick. He had three assists to two turnovers, so not exactly where you want to be at. Zeb had one assist to one turnover, only recorded one foul, had 17 minutes. I mean, he virtually was out there. He was running for fun. That's what you said. That's right. And KD was seven for 13, one for three from three. He had a good game. KD had a good game, executed what he is supposed to do, his role to perfection. Allen Flanagan, two for three. Not a whole lot of shots coming for him. 0 for 1 from 3. He had two assists to two turnovers. In 28 minutes, though, that's the thing. He played 28 minutes. 28 minutes. And he took three shots and accounted for just four total buckets across his time out there. I mean, that's just not that's not good enough, right? And so you talked about this with the guards before we went to the phone lines. We said two out of the four, two out of the three main guards, if you want to say, and exclude Al Flanagan because he hasn't been a part of this offense in a larger capacity than what we saw on Saturday, typically. If you want to say the three main guards for Auburn, Katie Johnson, Zepp Jasper, Wendell Green Jr., if Auburn wants to win or look good doing it, you got to have two of those three guys playing well. The reality is one of them played well. The other one, as you put it, ran for fun. And the other one was a negative for Auburn on Saturday. Wendell Green Jr. was a negative. I can't cut that any other way. It was two for 15. It hurt Auburn. That kills you. That absolutely kills you. We'll come back, talk guard play when we come back. 334-321-1390 is the number to call. Oh. 
Oh, happy Monday, everybody. 334-321-1390 is the number to call or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7. Fox Sports Central Alabama. Auburn loses to Tennessee 67-62 on the road in Knoxville. We'll talk about the top 25 poll coming up later on. We'll have Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports at 2.30. He just texted me and told me that he's fixing to come in on the Alabama fight song. Slow down there, man. Slow down. You beat South Carolina. <laughs> Just messing with my man. Just messing with my man. Still talking Auburn, Tennessee. The backcourt is where we've taken this conversation. You wanted to direct it towards the bench, and I think that's completely fair. Auburn's bench was 2 for 19. Auburn's starters were 21 for 46. Well, there was a point this season, and it may have been more in non-con play in the beginning of SEC play, but there was a point where the bench would come in when it was Dylan Cardwell, Jalen Williams, Devin Cambridge, Leor Berman, as Ed mentioned in the last segment when he called in. There was a time where the bench could come in and over the span of 40 minutes could put up 15 to 20 points. And that helped Auburn a lot and quite a bit, especially to help the starters so they don't have to score as many points. But you know who's scoring... For the bench now, it's Wendell Green, and that's it. He has five points. That was all the bench points Auburn had all afternoon against Tennessee. And I consider Wendell Green, a, I told you, a non-starting starter just because well, he, he played 28 minutes to Zepp Jasper's 17. Exactly, and he runs with the starters more than Zepp does. So the bench is not existent right now for Auburn. And it's not that your bench has to be outstanding and scoring half the points, but to be able to come in and score 15 to 20, that's big time. And there was a time also when when the bench would come in for the starters, there was almost no drop-off. But now it's a big-time drop-off because the bench is coming in and all they're doing is giving up buckets. They're not producing any points. And so there is a drop-off when the bench comes in right now. Next question to you. We had this question on the drive last week when we were at Big Mike Steakhouse, and I disagreed with the premise. I understood the question I respect the question, and that's why I'm about to ask it to you to get your thoughts. I'm just saying that I wouldn't necessarily go there to completely wholesale adjusting the rotations. But Jalen Williams had five minutes. Part of that was due to the fact that he accumulated three fouls. You also want to have certain players out there at a position that he can play more often than not. Jabari Smith played all but five minutes on Saturday, and that's typically where Jalen Williams slots in. What if Auburn decided to put Jalen Williams at the three and to chisel into some of Al Flanagan's minutes right now who played 28 and really didn't record any influential statistics? I wouldn't hate the move. I really wouldn't. Just because nothing against Alan Flanagan, okay? But he has not been 100% coming back off the Achilles injury. He's not making a big impact for this Auburn basketball team as a starter. And I think Jalen puts in good minutes when he comes in. Scoring, rebounding, and effort. I think he's putting in more than what Alan Flanagan's doing right now. Maybe not a full-time switch, but maybe getting Jalen some more minutes would not hurt this Auburn team whatsoever. On the other side of this break, we got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports joining us. We'll talk a little Alabama basketball, Alabama football with him when we come back. You're on the line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. But the phone lines are closed this segment as we've got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us on the show. Jeremy, 
Where's the Alabama fight song, man? I was teasing. I would not do that to your <laughs> listeners, but I do got to ask: Did I hear Jacob going say Jacob go and say that there's a louder arena than Auburn Arena? I mean, Bill Neville Arena. I mean, come on, Jake. We've all been to the jungle. I thought it was the loudest place in the country. Okay, it is one of the loudest in the country, but uh, one of with, the loudest. But the problem was with Thompson Bowling; it's over double the amount of people. That hurts Auburn Arena big time, but. Auburn's still one of the loudest, but Thompson Bowling was louder on Saturday just because of 22,000 going insane. All I'm saying, I check your car tires before you leave the uh, Auburn Network studios. There <laughs> might be some rabid fans out there that might want to take you up on that. Let's talk a little Crimson Tide hoops with Jeremy Laws. Alabama beats South Carolina on Saturday, keeps some momentum churning for the Crimson Tide, who are now up to 19-10 overall, still in the top 25 this week. They went 90-71. to at home really this game was over at the end of the first half it was 50 to 27 at halftime Alabama since Nate Oates called out their defense he's put it on the line for this team and Alabama has responded what is your take on this complete 180 from a defensive standpoint for the Crimson Tide I think it frustrates a lot of Alabama fans because it's an effort thing. It's literally effort and nothing else. Yeah, you played good teams like Kentucky, but it's effort-based. When you can come out and play with the effort and the energy that Alabama has played on the defensive end over the last couple of ball games, and even how they did against Arkansas in that win, and listen, they're they're a they're a really good team. But they you just it's so hard to win in college basketball when you give up seventy-five plus. Tough to do that. Um, but they would have been able to do that against South Carolina. Listen, but, you know, Noah, you said it was over at half um, Saturday. It wasn't. Only Alabama could find a way to potentially blow a 23-point lead at halftime. It got down to six, and it wasn't a real defensive problem. Now, they had a few defensive busts in there, but they were turning the ball over, couldn't get a shot to fall, and then right back into it, here comes JQ, Shaq, JD, um, Chuck. I mean, all the guys – they, they just hit that level again. And when Alabama's able to hit a barrage of threes, when they're able to get quality play down low from Betty Ako, and when Javon Quinterly is playing above average basketball alongside J.D. Davis, not great basketball, above average basketball, man, Alabama's good. And right now they're sitting fifth in the SEC standings. I mean, I think if you did an SEC power rankings, I would have them fifth in the SEC, so their standings is kind of right there with where I actually think they are in the league. Um, So, you know, I think they're looking good. They're going to get a first-round bye in the SEC tournament. And uh, who knows? I mean, because the the swing factor, the swing guy is JQ. And if JQ can come out and shoot 35% from three, not his 13 to 14%, I think that he was averaging um, throughout conference play, if he can just get that maybe 27 to 32%, Alabama is going to be a very dangerous team in the postseason, but defensively, it's just an effort-based thing. And Nate Oates has been calling out his guys for almost the whole SEC schedule, essentially since the win against Florida on the road in like the, the second SEC game of the year. And the last couple of games, they, they've turned it around on that end of the floor. I mean, they were one of the highest-rated defensive teams in America last year. Um, but of course, you have Herb Jones who's doing what he's doing in the NBA. So you like what you see, you want to finish strong, and you definitely want to beat Will Wade at the end of this week, but you can't overlook Texas A&M. I just don't think they, they from a postseason standpoint, that yeah, they can afford a loss, but from, a, I think, a mental standpoint, 
standpoint, they cannot lose to Texas A&M on a sleepy Wednesday night. They can't afford to do it. So what does Alabama have to do to avoid looking ahead to a trip to Baton Rouge, Will Wade, and trying to finish off the week 2-0? What does Alabama have to do to be successful against Texas A&M at Coleman Coliseum on Wednesday? Man, I don't want to tell you that what um, the obvious, but they have, if they're going to continue to shoot 35 threes a game, they can't shoot under 25%. You're just leaving points on the floor. And I, I really do think if, if they bring the defensive energy, they can give their guys on offense some confidence. And that's what they've been able to do. South Carolina, I mean, for a lot of the first half, they were struggling to get the ball to three-quarters. I mean, they couldn't even get it to the three-point line, shooting very bad shots. Everything was contested. When they made their run after halftime, they were getting free runs to the bucket, knocked down a few threes, and then Alabama came out, and they were turnover heavy. They count, I think they came out after a TV timeout. I'm not sure if it was a um, timeout called by Nate Oates or what, but it was after a TV timeout, I think like the under 12, and they really just hit the gas pedal on both ends of the floor, and that's just a recipe for success because they, they have the talent. If you look at the roster, the talent is there, and I think it, it – it, it's kind of the pits of where Alabama basketball was before Nate Oates that Alabama makes a sweet 16, and it's almost like um, one of those complacency years that Nick Saban talks about. It's so hard to get the guys back. But, man, the sweet 16, that should be, I think, with the way Nate Oates is recruiting and the, the, the talents that they're going to have on the roster, I think the sweet 16 should almost be the, the floor for this team. They should be winning two games in a tournament. They're not going to win the league every year. They're not going to win the, the conference tournament every year, but Alabama's going to have enough talent on the roster under Nados and Hodgson and Petway with everybody recruiting to go to the Sweet 16. You, you would expect them to say, all right, we're one of the last 16 teams in the country. We're one, of, we're one of the best 16 teams in the country. And if they play well on defense with their talent level and the scores that they should have on offense, Alabama could get through these next two games, potentially make a run in the Southeastern Conference um, and the, the tournament coming up next week. And then they'll look ahead into the tournament, and you never know. They might get some favorable matchups depending on how things uh, pan out. And you'll see, but Alabama, I think a lot of, after the last couple of weeks, the Alabama basketball team has a lot of people scratching their heads, and they also have a lot of people saying, man, I really hope I don't get Alabama in one of the first two rounds of the tournament. Talking to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports here on On the Line. Jeremy, Alabama has two regular season games left against Texas A&M and then at LSU like you've been talking about, and then the SEC tournament before they hit the NCAA tournament. What can this Alabama basketball team do for themselves in the next two to five games heading into March? What, what's the opportunity at stake for this Alabama basketball team to end the season? Yeah, I, I think that they, they need to see the ball go in the hoop from deep. They, may, they don't need to win all the games. They need to win the next two. I definitely think that they cannot afford to lose to Texas A&M and then drop back into this this kind of mental dark spot that they were in in the middle of SEC play where nothing's falling, you're discouraged, you're not giving the effort on the defensive end, as Nate Oates pointed out. They need to see some shots fall. They need to win the next two games. I think they mentally, um, and just for their mental health in the tournament, they need to win one or maybe one, two, possibly two games in the SEC tournament, to have some confidence going in. Because this, this to me, is not a fragile team, but it's a team that can quickly just self-destruct if they don't see the shots fall 
early in games. And when they hit shots early in games, the Ole Miss game, the Vandy game, South Carolina, um, when they played Tennessee earlier in the year, another great win on this Alabama resume. When they hit shots early in the game, Arkansas, it seems to last throughout the full 40 minutes. So if they see shots go in early, if they have shots go in, man, this team could play with a lot of confidence. And this is a tournament sport. You guys know this. I've listened to the first half of your show. You're freaking out because I think Auburn's three and three in the last six. And I'm not freaking you gotta out. you got to be peeking at yeah, well, no, we talked on the phone earlier. You might be freaking out. You might be playing the listeners here. I'm not sure. I'm not. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that you are. I'm just saying some people might be because it's a tournament sport and you want to be playing your best ball at this time of the year. I'm not saying Alabama's playing its best ball. I'm not sure that they can keep the way that they've been playing the last two games, that they can keep that up for another four or five games. Not sure. But you definitely want to be playing your best ball right here. Talking about teams that are playing their best ball right now, let's look inside the top four of the SEC standings right now. The teams that all have on lockdown right now, the double bye all the way to Friday of the SEC tournament. Auburn's at 13-3 and three in the conference, still with a one-game lead for the yeah. outright regular season championship. Arkansas has stormed their way to second place in the SEC standings. They started out... 0-3 in SEC play. Now they sit at 12-4. Kentucky at 12-4 and, and Tennessee at 12-4. and four. That's your top four. Of this four, which team do you like the best right now and why? Who's playing the best? If I did my power ranking, so not the standing, man, I might go Tennessee, Kentucky. I know Arkansas just beat them. Tennessee, Kentucky, and then Arkansas and Auburn kind of deadlocked right there. At third, I mean, the way that Tennessee is playing right now, who saw that coming? Did not have a great start to SEC play. They really dug themselves out of a hole. Credit um, Rick Barnes for what he's done. Arkansas and Musselman, I mean, dude, people were mad about Arkansas early in the year, and everybody, and, and Musselman was telling everybody to calm down. He's got his team right here at second in the SEC. Bruce Pearl's got a very loaded and talented roster, and maybe one of the best. Maybe the best big man in basketball, but definitely one of the best big men in basketball in Walker Kessler. And you have Kentucky who, you know, they've, they've been a little banged up. They tie ties hurt. So you don't, you're not so sure about them. But, man, it, it's those four teams, and it feels like kind of everybody else in the league, and there's some dangerous teams below them. But those four teams, man, they've by far and away played the best basketball in the league um, all year round, earned, earned the double by and would not be surprised, you know, if those teams, if two of those teams were sitting there in the, in the final round on Sunday in Tampa in two weeks. Speaking with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports, one more question to you here before we let you get out of here. Fun football question to you before we let you get out of here. I saw this question, a poll on late kick by Josh Pay, the 24-7 sports guy. Yeah. And his question was, what was the best coaching hire of this cycle? And he had three in the poll. It was Mario Cristobal at Miami. He had Brian Kelly at LSU. And then he had Lincoln Riley at USC. I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'll give you a fourth option of other if you want to choose another coach in the cycle. But who do you think was the best hire of this coaching cycle? The best recruiting hire was Lincoln Riley. I mean, he's got Southern Cal written all over him, man. He's got Los Angeles. He looks the part, feels the part. He got everybody from Oklahoma to hit the portal and come to him. 
sneaky, sneaky, sneaky Billy Napier hire here. I'm not so sure how many people are excited about Brian Kelly at LSU. I know he was able to uh, get Harold Perkins or whoever that was on National Signing Day to, to flip to him or to commit to LSU and sign, but I like Billy Napier a lot, but for what it looks like right now, a guy that can turn his team into an instant contender just because the amount of talent on the roster and the conference that they play in, man, I, I, it's got to be Lincoln Riley. Would not be surprised if Lincoln Riley had um, a, and a, a what is that a twelve and one USC Pac-12 champion, and they're trying to make their first playoff since the first time since since Washington 2015. I think the last time the Pac-12 was in the college football playoff would not be surprised, or 2016 rather, I would not be surprised if Lincoln Riley was in the playoff this year with the talent that he has on the roster. But long-term, I like Billy Napier as a head coach. Um, he's a heck of a recruiter, talent evaluator, and a great state to recruit in. Um, I like Billy Napier, but right now it's Lincoln Riley. Jeremy, we appreciate your time with us today. I hope you're having a good afternoon and a good rest of your day. Thanks, guys. Take care. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us here for the third segment of hour number one. When we come back, we're going to go back to talk a little Auburn basketball. Phone lines will be open again, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I'm going to be real, Jacob. I disagree a bit with him about his power rankings right now for the SEC. We'll talk about that when we come back. I'm going to tell everybody why I would reorder Jeremy's list of top four teams of the SEC. We'll break that down when we come back. You're listening to On the Line. Slow down. Everybody's overreacting. That's your statement. <laughs> that may be the title today. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Gons. The reality is people need to slow down and quit overreacting to this loss, a five-point loss in Thompson Bowling Arena, which, once again, I've said this a lot the last week. When Auburn loses a basketball game, it's in an incredibly hostile environment, aside for maybe Florida. We'll, we'll take that one away. The Florida game, Auburn just played bad. Let's just be real. But that happens. People play bad in college basketball. Look at this past weekend. The top ten, seven of the top ten lost, man. That was ugly. Arizona lost by 16 at Colorado. And didn't move in the AP poll. Which is ridiculous. We'll get to that later on. Blasphemous. Gonzaga loses by 10 to St. Mary's. I'm going to be real. St. Mary's road environment does not hold a flame. You know how many that of Tennessee's. You know how many people sit in that arena? I how looked many? it up. 3,500. Whoa. That's it. There's some high school basketball. <laughs> There's a lot Arenas of high school that, that is bigger than that. <laughs> Looking at Mountain Brook, right? But I break it down and I'm just... Trying to calm people down a little bit. Auburn basketball isn't above reproach. They've got issues that they need to figure out. But likewise, I think people are just freaking out a little bit too much. What happened on Saturday has no bearing whatsoever on what Auburn does in the SEC tournament or what Auburn does in the NCAA tournament. The reality is, if you believe in the Nike basketball stuff, they're not going to be shooting a Nike basketball. There's not going to be 20,000 hostile fans. You're not going to have the opponent's benefit of shooting on their own goals and being comfortable on their home floor, everything gets equalized a little bit in terms of the environment. Then it's who's the better basketball team and who plays a better basketball game. And Auburn has proven almost 100% of the time this year in those scenarios that they're going to win. And they can. And that's why I think 
and people like myself not necessarily overreacting but being harsh on this team because myself I'm speaking for myself here I know how good this basketball team can be I know how much talent is on this basketball team I can see what this team can become and you want them to play better I just want them to play better there's nothing wrong with that we're coming into March tomorrow is March 1st my man and I want Auburn to be playing better coming into the last couple of games coming into the SEC tournament I don't want this to be like 2019 where they have to turn it on in the second round of the NCAA tournament to before they can figure it out because at the same time there's a lot of good teams this year they haven't you know everybody's fallen here and there but at the end of the day there's, there's still no a great lot of teams good, there's no great teams but there's teams not just in the top three seeds but there's five six seven eight seeds that if Auburn doesn't play to their to their standards they could easily get beat and I don't want that to happen okay I 100% agree with what you're saying you know me I've been saying that for a month and a half I've been saying that for two months but and I know this doesn't erase what you just said but everybody's in the same boat so I don't think it's some beholden statement some brilliant thing that someone's saying some scientific discovery to say that if Auburn doesn't play well in the NCAA tournament, they're going to lose. That's always been true. That's always been true. Not just this year, but in every single NCAA tournament because that's tournament basketball. you got to win six games to win a natty. Regardless of how many great teams there are in college basketball or lack thereof, Auburn's going to have to play six good to great games of basketball in order to win the national championship. And when I look across college basketball, the path to a national championship to me is easier this year than it typically is. And Saturday is proof of that when seven of the top ten teams all lose. Issues that Auburn is dealing with right now, they are not unique. Everybody's got them. And if anything, the issues that the other teams have in the top ten are far greater than Auburn's. Auburn's is just being magnified because the magnifying glass is on Auburn. Auburn is under the microscope, and they have been. Auburn has been cultivating negative responses for a month now they have been because guess what they've been called overrated many a time people were picking this team out oh they almost lost to Missouri oh they almost lost to Georgia right all of those things that people are saying about Auburn not playing great right now those things may be true but you look across college basketball there's some really bad results out there that happened this past weekend and when Auburn loses it takes every fiber of the opponent's being to pull together, to just beat Auburn by five measly points. And they still almost blew it. Still almost blew it, Jacob. I agree with you, man. I I agree. And here's where I will draw my concern from that statement. Because you're right. Auburn's not the only team that's struggling. Look at Saturday. Eight of the top ten lost. Seven on the same day. The whole top six lost on the road. But here's what it's going to come down to. And it's not just for Auburn. This is for every team inside the top 25, inside the college basketball realm. Nobody's playing fantastic basketball. There's no one team that's just above all like Baylor was last season. And Gonzaga. And Gonzaga. But who's going to fix their problems and who's going to turn it on when March hits? Tomorrow's March 1st. Who's going to turn it on now that March is here? Those are going to be the teams. And this, I know this is obvious, but I just want to make this a point. Those are the teams 
that are going to make a run and compete for the national title is it going to be Auburn is it going to be Gonzaga is it going to be Alabama you know is it, or is it Kansas one word answer quick question before we go to break this is the end of hour number one and then we'll come back to it in hour number two Auburn or the field in the SEC tournament Auburn let's take a quick break that's it for hour number one We'll come back with hour number two at 3 p.m. We're making headlines. We'll talk more college basketball when we come back. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hour number two of the show. We'll get to making headlines in just a moment. We're going to remind everybody that the phone lines are open. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. But before we go to making headlines, as we do most hour number twos, I asked a question at the end of hour number one to Jacob. I said, Auburn or the field in the SEC tournament. You said Auburn. I'm going to give you a chance to answer that now in more detail because a lot of people freaking out right now about Auburn basketball. And you've said some things, like last Friday, where you said if Auburn loses on Saturday, you will not pick this Auburn basketball team to win the national championship. So why Auburn? I pick Auburn because they have Bruce Pearl. And we've seen in the history of Bruce Pearl being at Auburn, We've seen the month of February be bad almost every single year. This has been a trend with Bruce Pearl at Auburn that his basketball teams have kind of fallen off a little bit in the month of February. But then when March hits, it's like something clicks and they decide, okay, let's start playing some basketball and let's go try to win a national championship. And I've been talking about the problems that Auburn basketball has. I've been talking about that if they don't fix these problems, they will not win the national title. But here's why, if I had to choose the SEC tournament, I'm going to choose Auburn over the field because I believe, and history speaks for itself, that Bruce Pearl will get this Auburn basketball team doing what they need to do. He will make the changes that are needed to change. I think the players will get their mindset right. I think we're going to see guys like Wendell Green and even Jabari start to shoot the basketball a little better, guys to get more aggressive because then they realize – now or never right and so that's why I pick Auburn over the field right now if I had to choose I would pick Auburn in the SEC tournament because I trust in Bruce Pearl to get it done when he has to because every other year he's done so with this Auburn basketball team and there's they have more talent than anybody in the SEC possibly in the country so if I had to choose I would I would choose Auburn and Bruce Pearl in the SEC tournament to everybody out there panicking about Auburn basketball right now, why I'm saying it's not time to panic, because you'd like to see this team go to the Final Four, right? You'd like to see this team win a national championship because it's the best Auburn team we've seen. We know they're one of the best basketball teams in the country. Seven of the top ten lost. Just because Auburn's ranked number five, I'm going to be real, there's a lot of AP voters this week that didn't know what to do. 
there's a lot of AP voters that had no idea. It was hard how to rank the teams this week. Just because Auburn's at five does not mean that Auburn is A, the fifth best team in the country, and B, that there's really a whole lot separating some of these teams in the top ten. There's a lot of great teams, no exceptional team that has separated itself yet in college basketball. I think you could say maybe there's a ton of good teams and no great teams, no national championship favorites right now. But here's what I'll say. Time to panic would be if Auburn flames out in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament next week. That would be where I would be worrying because that's the neutral site. That is a replica of the NCAA tournament and you are not going to be playing a Final Four caliber team in the quarterfinals. You're going to be playing a team that you would face in the round of 32, maybe the Sweet 16 if they went on a run. And if Auburn loses and flames out like they did in 2018, people remember how Auburn basketball looked at the end of 2018, that Mustafa Heron, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown before the Final Four team, the year before when they first snapped the long tournament streak. The team that lost to Clemson, right? In horrendous fashion. Got blown out. And barely won against College of Charleston in the first round, right? They lost in the quarters of the SEC tournament. They lost in their first game, right? Then they go to the NCAA tournament and they continue to play like they did in the SEC tournament. Nothing changed. The, the, the SEC tournament is a replica of the NCAA tournament to a degree. It, it is a, on a much smaller scale, but it, it is a similar type of environment. And if Auburn, if Auburn struggles carry on to the neutral floor, that's when I would worry about the NCAA tournament. Likewise, though, you look at 2019's SEC tournament, Auburn found ways to win, but I don't think they actually played well until they made it to the championship game on Sunday when they raced Tennessee out of the building, right, and knocked down all those threes and, and dropped a flurry. And then likewise, they go to the first round of the NCAA tournament that year and they struggle against New Mexico State. So I just think that people are being unwise to make these overarching reactions to what they've seen because Auburn's a four-loss team and clearly is as talented as any of the best teams in college basketball. I would just reserve opinions until I see this team begin to play in a neutral tournament setting that's when I will get uncomfortable just being fully honest if Auburn plays bad in the SEC tournament that's when I will be worried about this team's trajectory in the NCAA tournament none of this end of season where everybody's fatigued legs are tired none of this stuff going on right now has any bearing on what happens in the NCAA tournament or the SEC tournament because as me and you just pointed out in hour number one Auburn is going to get a six-day break from the end of the regular season to when they play in the SEC tournament, and they're going to get a four- to five-day break when they go to play in the NCAA tournament. Auburn is going to be fresh when tournament time rolls around, and they're going to have some time to work through their various issues. And to your point, once it hits the SEC tournament, there's no more excuses for this basketball team. You can say, yes, Auburn's loss is a bit on the road. Yes, Auburn has been using a Nike basketball when they've lost basketball games. They're playing in front of 20,000 hostile fans, yada, yada, yada. And that's all true. But once you hit the SEC tournament, if Auburn continues to play like they're playing... Everybody is on equal footing. It is equal footing. That's 100% right. And so, at I agree. At that point, if Auburn doesn't play well then, I don't think they ever will. But... And they may not, okay? They might not. And I haven't seen anything that says that they're going to turn it around right now. But in the at the end of the day, Bruce Pearl is still the head coach of this basketball team, and history shows that he has been able to turn these teams around in March when they, when they need to.
Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-327-502. What are your takes right now with the Auburn basketball program or anything else going on in the sports world? We're going to head to making headlines now to start off hour number two. Making headlines. First headline, I want to talk a little bit about Auburn baseball. We haven't mentioned it yet. We're not going to stay on this for super long. But I was not overly impressed with Auburn baseball's performances this past weekend against Yale. Auburn took two out of three against Yale. This is a baseball team that, although they're held in high regard amongst the Ivy League teams, this baseball program has played, get this, a total of 10 Division I collegiate baseball games. 10 since the year 2019. 2000. 19 they have played 10 total regulation division one baseball games and i'll be real auburn was razor close to dropping the series to this team saturday's doubleheader took a walk off in game two or the first game of the doubleheader second game of the series and then they lose in extras in game three likewise you can make the argument that auburn was razor close to sweeping the series but I still don't think they played well on Saturday played great on Friday won nine to zero I thought they were going to cruise through this weekend clearly they were continuing some momentum that they generated in the opening weekend then that they kept up when they beat Troy the way that they did in the midweek and the Troy win was a good win that's a better win than what they did this past weekend I felt like against Yale not overly impressed with the way that they struggle bust their way through the last two days at the plate when we, when we broke down the or rest two of, games yeah when we broke down the rest of Auburn baseball's non-conference schedule and we said that the best they or the worst they should be is 15 and 3 well it just got tougher to hit that mark i don't think the yale loss was one of those 3 that we were thinking about to be on the schedule auburn baseball they like you said they started out 9 and 0 friday night good win they had to move the game on sunday to saturday due to the weather forecast and auburn dropping a game to yale and almost dropping another one, having to have a walk-off to do so, that's not a good sign, man. That's not what you wanted to see from Auburn this weekend playing baseball. And again, Yale, sure, they're probably a decent team. But like you said, man, they've decent only Decent team in the Ivy League. Hold on. That has yes. to be qualified. Decent team in the Ivy, in the Ivy League. League. Not in the SEC. You SEC I mean? teams expect to sweep these series. And granted, it doesn't always go that way. Texas A&M lost to Penn this past weekend. A&M is also right now currently at the bottom of the SEC West alongside Auburn. So just because A&M lost to Penn, it has no bearing whatsoever on Auburn or Auburn's expectations to make the NCAA tournament. And Mississippi State may not be in a great place right now, but they also dropped two out of three to a top 25 team across the first series also I don't think we can necessarily compare Auburn to teams like Mississippi State when Mississippi State played in the national championship series last year right I just don't think we can put Auburn in that area and say yeah everything's going to be all right with Auburn because other teams are like that when hold on no that's this is a different ball game I know what you're saying you're trying to compare that to basketball Auburn's 25 and 4 in basketball this Auburn baseball team barely made the SEC tournament last year completely different scenarios and I knew you were about to say that as soon as I said that you just 
mute. Okay. <laughs> Not even going there with you because you know they're different. I'm just saying you can't put Auburn baseball in the same category as some of these other SEC teams that have struggled out the gates because they are clearly in two different realms. You're 100% right. And <laughs> you said that, and I lit up for a second because I was like, hold like, up. Mm-mm. I've heard nope. this before. But no, you're, you're right, man, because Auburn baseball – no, they're not top. They're not the top tier in the SEC, but they expect they're in the bottom this. tier. Let's be real; they're in the bottom tier. Call it what it is. They are. They're in the bottom tier of the SEC, but I think they expect, and especially this season, they expect to become into the middle of the pack of the SEC. Exactly. But if you can't, if you can't take a series from Yale early on in the non-conference, which they did, they took it. But I, well, I would have liked to have seen them sweep the it. sweep. That's what I meant. If you can't take the sweep against a Yale team that has not played much baseball at all in the past three years then you're going to struggle, especially when you get to SEC play, when you have to play teams like Vanderbilt, who's ranked number two in the country. Like, for Auburn, it's got to be non-conference wins. You've got to pick them up where you can get them because once SEC play hits, it's going to be brutal for Auburn baseball. And granted, I'll say this. It's baseball. Very well could have just had a couple off days, had to play a doubleheader. It's baseball. I get that. I'm just pointing out that this team needs to get better across the course of non-conference play because SEC play hits hard, hits fast. I know it's early. I don't want people to think that I'm just down in this baseball program, but the reality is they barely made the SEC tournament last year. You want to see this program be consistently an NCAA tournament program. They don't have to be consistently a super regional program, but I want to see this team make the NCAA tournament again. What does it do to Auburn baseball for them to miss two straight NCAA tournaments this late or this far into Butch Thompson's run at Auburn, right? The program should be building rather than needing to be rebuilt right now. And I I don't want to get into the – I think Butch Thompson's an incredible coach. I think he's a great ambassador for the program. I don't want people to misconstrue that in any way. I'm just saying it's fair to expect more out of this baseball program. And it's early, and the the only point I'm trying to make is it's clear, don't overreact to what they did in opening weekend by beating a top-12 team. They still have a long way to go. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Ed is back with us on the show. Ed, what's up? Hey, guys. Excuse me. I just had a, a couple of questions I was hoping that you could help me with. Go for it. In the late 70s, there was a, a, a player from Phoenix City. I think his name was Eddie Adams. I'm not sure. And he went to Alabama. But this guy, I know the NBA All-Star thing just went on. This guy was five six, and he. I saw him when I was in, you know, like the tenth grade. I, you know, was on junior varsity. Uh, he'd leave. He he would leave the, the the court at the free throw line to dunk, and he went to Alabama. And I think he, there was something a car accident or something, but you know, I, I'm saying that in the vein of I'm I'm not a. Alabama hater, you know, I, you know, got a lot of friends who went to Bama and everything. But uh, your earlier guess was intimating that Alabama belonged in the top, the Sweet 16 every year. And I was just wondering uh, how many times has Alabama made it to the Sweet 16 in the last uh, 40 years or, or whatever. I, I didn't know that they were that much of a basketball school. I, and like I said, the re, that's the re, reason I brought up Eddie. And, I, you know, I know a lot of people that went to Alabama. But that they should expect to be in the Sweet 16 every year. 
it's kind of strong for Alabama, I think. But if y'all can tell me how many times, maybe in the last 40, 50 years, they've been in the Sweet 16. I know they made it to the lead eight. Uh, you know, nine times, but, Ed. They've done it nine times since 1976. Nine times. Nine times in how many years? That's 50 years or whatever, 40? Almost 50. Times. Almost 50. What? That's 46 years. So that's, yeah, that's, that's, so that's not every year. <laughs> is it? To clarify, though, and I, and I don't disagree with you, Ed, Bama's basketball pedigree over the last 50 years, you're right. You're 100% right. I think kind of where Jeremy was going with is the level of recruiting that Alabama's got right now, which is top 10 yeah. on a regular basis. I think he's saying it's fair to expect moving forward that Alabama yeah. should be doing that. And, and, and I agree with that. I, I like Nate Oates. You know, I, I think that probably Bama's biggest worry is I, I think he may go pro, you know, coaching. But anyway, guys, thank you. Appreciate it, Ed. That was Ed on the phone lines, 334-321-1390 if you want to call in. Still talking a little Auburn baseball with everybody out there. Auburn takes two out of three against Yale, which once again, it's good to take the series. I just want everybody to understand what we're saying here. It's not that Auburn baseball is going to be like this this whole year and we're not overreacting. I'm just saying currently Auburn baseball has some improving to do, which is not some bold statement or anything like that. I just don't think it was a good weekend. I just don't think it was a good weekend for them. You look at game two, the one that Auburn won four to three. I thought there was... Another sign maybe of some inconsistency with the starting rotation. Joseph Gonzalez gets bounced after three innings, gives up seven hits, three runs allowed. Of course, the bullpen did great, only gave up two hits since that moment. No runs, shut it down. Auburn's Auburn's bats found their way, but only amassed five hits in game one of the doubleheader on Saturday. And then you go to game two. Once again, Auburn puts up just four hits in that game against Yale, four runs on those four hits. And Auburn had, let's see, one, two, three, four, eight different pitchers appear in that game, and the bullpen was not as strong in that one. Uh, and that one goes to extra innings, and Auburn loses 5-4. to four. So I think you break it down, I'm just not as – I'm just not as – pleased maybe I'm not I'm just I, I was not impressed this weekend with Auburn baseball I don't I was expecting a team to be able to hit better against a squad that had only played 10 division one baseball games since the year 2019 would have expected it to be a little bit more jarring for that team to be playing their first series of the year against an SEC team that actually had a pretty good opening weekend well here's the bottom line when it comes to baseball especially when you get to conference play taking two out of three that's good enough I mean that'll get it done in SEC play but not against Yale in the non-conference series you can't that's got to be a series where you sweep it and you get the bats rolling and get a lot of pitcher rotation throughout the three games because you've got to prepare yourself for SEC play we're going two and one in a three-game series is okay but not against Yale in the non-conference series Send to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Haven't heard from him in a little bit, but it's good to hear from you, Bama Dog. What's up? Hey, man, I got off from work early and had to make a doctor run, so how y'all doing? Doing real well, Bama Dog. How are you? All right. Hey, look, I just want to piggyback on what the um, man said that called before me about Eddie Adams. Yeah. That, that guy was incredible. I, I played against that guy. And he he come across that was a three point line, but that was a five second timeline. That's what he shoots from. Wow! <laughs> and it was <laughs> bottom of the net every yeah. time. Did he have the hops? Like what 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 was he like as a dunker? 
And he could jump out the gym. Yeah. He could absolutely jump out of the gym. It was amazing. Uh, you know what? I just, it never made me the athletes. I know a lot of athletes come out of Auburn High. I'm going to give Auburn High their due. But what has came out of Central Phoenix City is absolutely amazing. Football, basketball, or baseball. I just... It just it just flabbergasted me to come out of that one high school. Especially in the last ten years too, just for a younger fan base out there, just seeing some of the names yeah. that have come out in the last ten years it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. And then you go back to the Lowe Brothers and and then like you said, Eddie Adams yeah. and then Ed King. And them guys just just a Joe James Joseph. It's just incredible. But uh, I'm a uh, I'm a Talk a little bit about Auburn baseball. I'm going to touch on the baseball. Go for it. Now, as soon as uh, being able to make the Sweet 16 every year, like you said, I think that's where he, where he was going as far as the recruiting. But now, back in the day, you know, a lot of people don't might not remember, but, you know, when Will was coaching, but Bama had some strong teams. I mean, some very strong teams. And then uh, the 76 team, they should have won the national championship if it went for a bad call against Indiana. I mean, a terrible call. I'm talking about you guys want to see one of the worst calls in college basketball history. I need to look that one up. Alabama was playing Indiana, and I think it, uh, it might have been to go to the Final Four or something like that. It might have been to go to the Finals. I can't remember, but I think it was in 1976 when they had Leon Douglas and all those guys. It was a terrible call. Terrible. I'll go look it up. Game, if there's if there's video of it, hopefully I'll be able to find it. But yeah, I'll go look yeah, it up. Yeah, there, there's, there's video. There's video of it. I mean, terrible. It cost in the game. But uh, now let me uh, touch on now. I'm talking about Alabama baseball is the opposite of what you're talking about. What happened to Auburn? They got swept by Texas, and the first game they lost one zip was a pitcher's duel. Second game was a pitcher's duel, and then Sunday I think they lose like six to two. I think it was five um, to one. Five to one, and I think Texas scored all his runs in one inning. I'm not sure, but I am very optimistic for what I for what I saw and heard as far as uh, Bama's baseball team, especially from the pitching aspect. That was a problem last year. And, you know, they've had some great names to come through in recent memory for, for Bama baseball. I mean, you think about some of the guys that, you know, like Connor Prelip, guys like that, that, that Bama's had some some good pitching but the hitting has, has also held them back uh, outside of the top four guys in the lineup. And, of course, hitting wasn't great this past weekend, but it was also Texas. I want to see how Bama rebounds. They had a good first five games. Let's see what Bama can do, you know, moving on from this. But there's no yeah, shame I wanna, I wanna, in – Exactly. I want to see how they re- I want to see how they rebound. Yeah, there's no shame in losing three to nothing over the first two days of, of that series. Now, not likewise – Not with that pitching staff that Texas rolled out there. Yeah, and, and but have, likewise, you got to score more than one run over the cross the the entire weekend. But I'm with you, Bama dog. There's some room for optimism with the direction of the Bama program. Yeah, it is. Hey guys, appreciate it. Good Pre- to talk to you again. Appreciate it, Bama dog. It was good to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety or toll free at eight 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 three two seventy five zero two if you want to call in. Uh, real quick, you know, I agree with them. I, I think you know Bama and Auburn are in kind of similar situations with their programs right now. Um, Auburn's had more success over the last we're talking baseball uh, Bama's had, uh, Auburn has had more success than Alabama has over the last you know seven eight years but currently where we're at right now this year 
they're, they're in very similar situations in non-conference play right now. Alabama hung with Texas over the first two days. But like I said to Bama Dog, you also got to score more than one run over across the entire weekend. And Auburn had issues hitting the uh, had issues hitting the baseball. I wouldn't be shocked if Auburn went to the plate against Texas this past weekend with the way Auburn was hitting against Yale. Auburn probably would have scored just one run if they hit like they did on Saturday. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little college basketball again. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. It's been a good show. It's been a great show. If you missed anything from the first hour and almost a half of this Monday edition of On the Line, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We upload it as soon as the show is over. Make sure you go check it out if you missed anything. Earlier in the show, we had Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us. Coming up, we'll have Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle President, as well as of Auburn Sports Network and Wiggle 91.1 FM. Sports Director will have him coming up in our next segment. But I asked Jeremy a question. I said, of the top four rank them, power rankings-wise, what is your opinion of the top four? And I said coming in hour number two that I would give my opinion on that group. And I'm going to be real. Right now, as far as the way that teams are playing, I have a hard time taking anyone other than Arkansas right now. That's what I'm saying, man. If you Power rankings are different than just ranking the team. Power ranking is who's playing the best basketball right now, who looks the best, who's winning their games, I mean, Arkansas has wins over Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee over the last three weeks. They've beaten all the other teams inside the top four. So if you want to say head-to-head, they've only lost one game since they started out 0-3 in SEC play, which was a really bad stretch for them. I mean, they they lost to Hofstra as a prelude to that run. I didn't expect them to start that bad. Nobody did. But since they figured it out, they're 4-0 against ranked teams this year, man. They have not lost a single game against a top 25 team. For comparison... Auburn's three and two against top twenty-five teams. Kentucky is three and five, and Tennessee is five and five. Just, <laughs> I mean, Alabama's five and four against ranked teams this year. Kentucky's over here. We're three and five. We're the best team in the SEC, man. We we win games, and I'm just like, who have y'all like? Come on, okay. You had one great game against Tennessee. What else have you done? Not a whole lot. And it, I that's... would put Kentucky last of the top four. Mm, hold yeah. on a minute let me defend that go i know you it. go mm, but i mean but look i'm not disagreeing I'm, it's it's here's why i would put them yeah. last they lost to auburn they lost to arkansas and they went one and one against tennessee outside of the one great game they played against tennessee which was by the way a month and a half ago was was a month ago man since then what have they done beat alabama by nine yeah. not a whole lot and if you want my rankings real quick power rankings for the top four teams in the sec Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky. I, I think, think that's I, th- it. I agree with that. That's it right there. With the way right now things are going, I think you could if you wanted to flip Auburn and Tennessee. I understand the two just played this past weekend. Flip the environment. Auburn runs Tennessee probably for double digits, I think, at home. 100%. There's so no doubt. So I think part of that, you, you take it into a neutral site. Where does How does that play out? But if you want to say Tennessee, I'm not mad at it. They've played really well this month. Give us that matchup in the SEC tournament. The tournament's going to be awesome. Some SEC teams are going to go to battle in Tampa, not Nashville, in Tampa. I'm looking forward to it. Jacob Hillman on the other side of this
Welcome back to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. 30 minutes left here on Monday. We have our second guest of the afternoon. Jacob Hillman is now on the line. Auburn Jungle president from Auburn Sports Network and the sports director for Weagle 91.1 FM. Jacob Hillman, how are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me on as always, guys. Of course. Well, Jacob, let's talk to you first about Auburn basketball. Of course, you were in Knoxville this weekend, correct? I was. I was there. Okay, so what is your breakdown of Auburn's five-point loss on the road against Tennessee on Saturday? Two very simple things is, one, you get out-rebounded by 24, you're going to lose. And two, it's very difficult to win when you go nine minutes without scoring a field goal uh, in the second half. So, really... It comes down to those two things. Uh, obviously, Auburn's defense kept them in the game uh, in the second half during that uh, field goal drought. But when you get out rebounded the way you did, it just it's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to beat a team the caliber that Tennessee is, especially on the road. Uh, obviously, Tennessee got a ton of second-chance opportunities, took advantage at times. And I really just think that with this team, you, you know that you know they can rebound. We've seen it. You've got Walker Kessler. You've got Jabari Smith. Wendell Green's a great rebounding point guard. Just uh, Devin Cambridge, even off the bench, he he provides a spark and great energy on the board. It was just something that I don't think we've really seen this year of team, uh, Auburn getting out rebounded like that. And I don't know, it, it's kind of crazy. I think I think I saw the stat at halftime where Auburn hadn't allowed more than fourteen rebounds. I think St. Louis was the highest amount of offensive rebounds they gave up, and they gave ten in the first half against Tennessee. So I, I it, it was not a, it was not the best performance from this Auburn team by a long shot. Jacob, we've joked about your curse already today on the road. <laughs> uh, what What is your record now? Do you know? I'm sure you keep up with that. Uh, no, I actually don't, but I... <laughs> it's bad, this, this but others season, keep up with this, it for yeah. you. Yeah, it, it's bad. It is not good. It, it's going to turn around on Wednesday. When, when, we, when the jungle travels to Mississippi State uh, with the Auburn tip-off club, it's going to be turned around. That, that's what I can say. That's how we're going to clinch the SEC championship. I, I, I don't want to talk any negatives right now, Noah. Okay? But I'm, I'm, we're, hold we're, on we're, a second. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Something else to point out. I saw this on Twitter. I can't okay. remember who pointed this out. But if you look at Auburn's losses this year, they lost in no. Gainesville. I saw that. Knoxville. Fayetteville. Just saying. Just saying. Atlantisville. And now they're going to Starkville. I mean, uh, yeah. what, is, what is going on? Well, it, uh, listen, I think that part of it is just uh, – it's a, because obviously when you look at the whole grand scheme of things, Auburn's season overall, it looks great, and there's a lot of panicking going on because you've lost three of the last five. That's not what you want to see. I think, I think that's right. And that's just not something that sounds good whenever you've played so well in the middle of the year. And I don't think this team is necessarily playing bad. I, won't, I don't think the performance against Tennessee was – anywhere near what you want but i think it was good for 30 minutes bad for 10 and unfortunately the 10 minutes that auburn played bad was the last 10 minutes of the game that yeah and 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 that's the thing is i think the panicking is just from the fact that you're losing games like this uh, uh, at this rate after winning 19 in a row and so so on so forth i don't look at it as really the end of the world because auburn still has a chance when they if auburn if auburn wins this week twice beats Mississippi State and beats South Carolina, I think a lot of people kind of forget. I think there, there will be those that are dead set on uh, 
this Auburn team not being very good because of this recent uh, this recent stretch. But I think that a lot of the negativity will go away just by Auburn getting an outright uh, SEC title because that's the thing. It's the whole the SEC regular season championship. I think is more difficult to win than a tournament championship because it's the whole body of work and what we've seen so far this year is just chaos in the SEC. I think the, I think the thing that really stands out. I think it was Kyle Tucker for uh, the Kentucky beat writer that uh, he, he mentioned that Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee combined one loss at home this year, and it was a one-point loss for Arkansas to Vanderbilt. I mean, it is what it is. The home playing on the road in the SEC is really, really difficult, and we saw it this weekend with six with the top six teams going down. Gonzaga lost uh, to St. Mary's. Or no, it wasn't St. Mary's. Uh, or it was St. Mary's. Uh, and then you had other teams go down. It's just not – I don't know. I'm not here panicking. I, I just – it's frustrating to see others panic, though. Talking to Jacob Hillman, the Auburn Jungle president of Auburn Sports Network and the sports director for Weagle 91.1 FM. So, Jacob, Auburn's got two games left in the regular season. They'll have a little break before the SEC tournament. What are some of the things that Auburn basketball needs to change to be successful in these two games to win the SEC regular season title and to make a push to win the SEC tournament title? Yeah, I think I talked about it last week was the guard play. I think that still needs to improve a little bit. I, I like what I saw from Katie Johnson on Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, you had Jasper turned the ball over uh, once or twice, and Wendell Green wasn't lighting it up like he usually does off the bench, but it was an improvement off of – uh, what what he had been doing, and he had a good game against Ole Miss as well. So I want to see the guard play continue to get back to the level that it had been at. I think Jabari, obviously, they're, they're, they keep feeding him, keep giving him the ball. He's scoring 25 a game, can get up to 30 if you need to. So, I mean, I, I think the big thing is just keep running your offense through him because I also see that as opening things up for Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler, I'm surprised he didn't have a big game against Tennessee. I, I, I didn't think that really Tennessee matched up well with them but there you go it's the guards fault I think we were talking about this earlier and on Friday as well something that I was particularly concerned about I called it I said that Walker Kessler would have less than 10 shots in the game on Saturday because the guards were not going to get him the basketball in good locations for him to score and that's what happened all afternoon he also dealt with some foul trouble but you know I I, I agree with you I think Walker Kessler was the best big on the floor compared to Tennessee's bigs um, and I and I mean bigs there. I'm excluding Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith kind of acts like more of a wing player or a stretch yeah. floor. I mean, like a true five. And uh, Walker Kessler should have dominated. But I think guards is everything. Everything that Auburn's issues are right now comes back to guard play. Every, every sense of the word, it comes back to guard play for Auburn right now. That is the fatal flaw. And I'm with you, Jacob. I'm not panicking. I'm still at the top of that hill defending this team to still go and win a national championship. But I, you go back to guard play. If Auburn doesn't win it, it, that is going to be the fatal flaw. Wendell Green can't go two for 15. Zepp can't be 0 for 2. Alan Flanagan can't play 28 minutes and record inconsequential stats. you got to have more than just one guard on every night playing well. Right now, that has, that, that's been the trend, just one guard playing well for Auburn on, on every night. Yeah, I, I've noticed that as well, I think, because you had Zepp do really well, uh, I think, yeah, against Ole Miss and he was really the only guard that played well, and I think that is a, that is a very good point to make. And is it a mindset thing? Is it? I'm not sure. I because I look back to what Coach Pearl talked about with that game is how he shot him a text and said, "Hey man, try to score." Because 
In reality, Zepp was not trying to score. He was not trying to be uh, a scorer. He was trying to be a playmaker, which he does He does well at that. But whenever Zepp is firing on all cylinders, I think the rest of the team is really picking up the pace. And I've been saying for a while that I think Zepp Jasper will be the most important player for Auburn come March because, I mean, he's your starting point guard, and we really haven't seen him be a critical point of the offense. He had he's one assist on, on Saturday. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, when he's not facilitating, when he's not playmaking, then then Auburn is really, really in trouble. Now, what I think is whenever he's playmaking and he's scoring, then Auburn is just is a really tough team to, to defend and stop. So I, that's where I see uh, the guard play really being the focal point is what is Zeb Jasper and how is he performing? Because, you know, whenever Wendell Green comes in, it's, How's he shoot? Katie Johnson, it's uh, about how he finishes at the rim and if he can make a three or two and obviously his defensive ability. And Alan Flanagan, we're just waiting for him to break out and finally have good scoring games. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at is what is Zeb Jasper going to do down the stretch? Speaking with Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president, among also being of the Auburn Sports Network and Weekly 91.1 FM sports director, Going to ask you the call to the fan base this week. There's a road game on Wednesday against Mississippi State, and then there's the final home game, South Carolina renaming of the arena, as well as Auburn trying to clinch outright this week a regular season championship. The roads, the road trip is not that far away, and the home game, obviously, it's even closer. So what's the call to the fan base? Yeah, and even more importantly, on that road trip, is it's not very expensive, so uh, if you're in the Auburn area, I, I still say get off work a little bit early, head to Starkville, and I, I don't know how many people are going to be listening in West Alabama, but if you're in West Alabama, Starkville's a very easy trip, or even if you're in Birmingham. So I say get, get out there. Like I said, the Jungle's bringing two full charter buses to Starkville. It's going to be a blast, and it's going to be really going to feel like a neutral environment because of what these students are going to bring. As far as Saturday goes, it's 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 got to be a big deal. It's got to be a big deal. It's, I know it's not playing against uh, a ranked team or, or Tennessee or Alabama or anyone like that, but it's going to be either a chance to win a share of the SEC championship or a chance to win an outright championship. So really, just bring the best energy you can. That, that's, that's as simple as that. And for the students, sure, spring break starts that day, but you can get – it's a noon tip-off. You can get to the beach by – probably 7, 8 o'clock at night, and you can do whatever, go have dinner or whatever at the beach by uh, by the time you leave Auburn Arena or what will be called Neville Arena by that point on Saturday. So that's the biggest message, just keep showing up and, and bring in the energy because this team deserves it as they go for an SEC crown. You're plugged into the baseball side of things. That's where we want to take this conversation as well as softball because I know you were on the call for softball this past weekend, so I want to – Talk a little baseball, and then we'll go to softball. Baseball. Auburn kind of struggled their way through the weekend, I felt like, especially on Saturday. Friday was great. Saturday was tough. Auburn was very close to sweeping the series, but also very close to losing the series. It just kind of depends on how you look at it. What's your take from Auburn baseball this weekend? Right. Well, the first thing is that Yale's a tough opponent. Yale was picked to win the Ivy League. So that, that that's, that's point A is just, it's a tougher opponent than your usual non-conference foe. But uh, point B is that on Saturday, being a long day at the park, I don't 
necessarily look at that second game. Now, of course, like you said, game game two was a walk-off winner by Case and Howell. So, as you said, you're very close to losing the series or and whatnot. And I think that it's, it, I think the thing, the, the way to look at it is that this team is finding a way to win, but also there's things to build on. I, I didn't, the bullpen didn't perform very well in game two on Saturday and game three of the series. Uh, they, they, they gave up some runs that they didn't need to late in the game, and it's what cost Auburn in the, latter, in the, in the extra innings as well as the ninth inning. So uh, we, we praised the pitching after the first weekend. I still think the pitching is on the right track, but now you've got things that you see that say it's a negative and things that you need to work on. And, Jacob, right before we let you get out of here, of course, as Noah said, you were on the call for a couple games for Auburn softball this weekend and the Plainsman invite. The girls took care of business. They won all of their games this weekend. How did it go down, and what's your impression of this Auburn softball team as now they still only have the one loss on the season sitting at 15-1? and one? Well, a fun stat to throw at you is that Auburn has matched its 2021 ro- uh, run, uh, home run total. That, that was in 51 games. 22 home runs in 51 games. They've done that in 16 games. So the power is there. The offensive firepower is there. And I think that this that this team is going to keep building up. Shelby Lowe is just incredible, an insane pitcher. Uh, Maddie Pinsta, she's got the power. She's got the explosiveness. Yesterday, it wasn't her best day in the circle, but the offense backed her up. Shelby Lowe came in relief and did her thing. So, I mean, it's hard to look at anything and – anything away there's there's a few moments you can look at pinpoint say that's something that Auburn needs to improve but other than that you had an eight run inning against Syracuse and then you have Auburn go down three to one immediately answer back and then get insurance at the bottom of the sixth inning against ULM they're doing everything they need to do and that's why I think that this team's going to have a chance to really uh, improve on what whether they were picked in the SEC and it's a, it's a tough schedule it is a tough schedule in the SEC it starts off at home against Texas A&M in two weekends. But I think that this team is has enough firepower, and the pitching is there for sure. We know that with Shelby Lowe and Matty Pinta, as well as Sam Yarbrough and KK Dismukes uh, behind them. But it's it's just a matter of, uh, of really finding consistency. Because, for example, in the game one against Syracuse, you score one run outside that, that third inning. But the good thing is you also shut them out. So it, it's just consistency with the offense and – we know we're gonna be, what we're getting from the pitching. Well, Jacob Hillman, we appreciate your time today. Uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow Weagle on Twitter at Weagle underscore AU. And, of course, the Jungle at AU Jungle. I think we're going to have a fun day uh, traveling to Starkville on Wednesday, so you won't, want, you won't want to miss any of that content. Jacob Hillman, we appreciate your time today, man. Have a good one. Yeah, I appreciate you guys as well. War Eagle. And War Eagle to you. Let's head to our last break of the hour here on the line. Welcome back in on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. If you've missed anything, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It's uploaded immediately after the show. We're entering just the final few minutes left of the Monday edition of the show. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. New episodes of NCIS and NCIS Hawaii are on CBS starting at 8. The auditions of America's Got Talent Extreme is on NBC from 7 to 9. Movie selection for tonight, Avengers Endgame runs from 4 to 8 on TNT. Moving to tonight's live sports schedule, college basketball at 6 p.m. North Carolina hosts Syracuse on ESPN. At 7 p.m., Northwestern is at number 25, Iowa on Big Ten Network. 8 p.m. time slot of the Big 12, number 10 Baylor is at number 20 Texas at 8 p.m. on ESPN and Kansas State is at number 9 Texas Tech on ESPN 2. Also at 8 but on CBS Sports Network, San Diego State clashes with Wyoming. Rounding out the night at the 10 p.m. time slot, number 12 UCLA is at Washington on ESPN 2 and Washington State is at Oregon State on ESPNU. In the NBA, one game is on NBA TV with the Charlotte Hornets at the Milwaukee Bucks at 7. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. That was a look at what's on TV tonight. Noah, we just have a few more minutes left in the Monday edition of the show. What are some games in college basketball tonight that have got you? What are going to have you paying attention to college basketball tonight? The Big 12, man. The Big 12. Baylor, Texas. That's actually here on ESPN 106.7 starting at 7.30. Live event that you can listen to here locally. Um, You know, I, I think that's the big game tonight number well no longer number 10 they moved all the way up to number three in the top 25 which we'll talk about the top 25 tomorrow uh on tomorrow's show kind of break down why i think it's an absolute well it's absolutely ridiculous that arizona stayed at number two despite the fact that they had clearly the worst loss out of everybody but number three baylor is at number 21 texas tech kansas state's at number 12 texas tech tonight i think the big 12 is on notice is the big 12 the best conference college basketball no, I think the SEC, you know, I don't know if the SEC is the best, but I mean, I think you look at the SEC Big 12 Challenge and true, you break down how the top four of the SEC is playing right now. Does another conference have as difficult of a top four as the SEC right now? I don't and, know, and, I, and I think some of those teams are underrated at the moment inside the top 25. I, th- I think Auburn probably deserves to be higher than five. Um, I'm okay with Duke being where they're at. I don't think Baylor should be where they're at. The fact that they received four first-place votes is ridiculous. Arizona should be lower after their loss this weekend. Um, I would be okay if you – but then again, Kansas has taken some losses recently. Purdue took a bad loss. I mean, you break it down, I think Auburn did not deserve to drop two spots. Tennessee's at 13. They're playing better than a lot of the teams in front of them right now. Uh, They're playing better than Texas Tech, I think. They're playing better than Villanova. They're playing better than Wisconsin. They're playing better than Providence. They're playing better than Purdue. They're playing better than Kentucky. I think think Tennessee deserves very much so to be a top 10 team, and I think Arkansas you can make the same type of argument for with the way that Arkansas has played in SEC play since. I I just don't know if you can find another league that has the top four that the SEC does. The other one that you would look to is the Big 12 with Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, and then all the way down there at Texas at 21. But once again, I still go back to, is that better than what the SEC has right now in Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas, especially if Kentucky was fully healthy? I think the SEC's. I, I would say the SEC is probably the best conference in college basketball. I agree. I think the SEC is the best conference in college basketball right now. The top four, like you just said, is probably the toughest top four in any conference in basketball. Man, you want to add Alabama to it. The top five exactly. is, is was, tougher than most. I was just about to say, if you add in the fifth or maybe sixth team, if LSU continues or starts to play better, I'm not sure if you can put them in that category. But 
yeah, the top five, including Alabama for the SEC, is it's extremely tough. I think the Big 12 would have to be number two because they have some teams that have a legitimate chance to make some noise in the NCAA tournament. You've got Kansas and Baylor, Texas Tech, and Texas. If they get hot in the tournament, I think those four teams could make some noise. So get this. The SEC has all but all but two teams in the SEC has beaten a top 25 team this year. And all but uh, you know, all but five, I think, all but five or six have have won at least two games against the top twenty-five. So more than half of the conference has won multiple top twenty-five games this year. And the top half of the league, the the top five teams in the SEC have won five, have all won at least five. Shows how deep this conference is. It shows how good the teams are, even when the record doesn't show it, because they're playing. And a lot of times in the SEC at least one of your two games of the week is a top 25 matchup as of late coming down the stretch. That's it for another edition of On the Line. Noah Garner, Jacob Goins, back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.